Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your car night fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. Late drama in Wilshire as United grab a 96th minute winner against the Robins. We look back on the thrilling finale and the 2-1 win at Swindon, while looking ahead to this weekend's huge clash against second place Stevenage and the midweek trip to Yorkshire Stake on Bradford. So we're recording this week's episode a little bit earlier than usual, aren't we, Dan? We, we normally record these Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, yeah. usually, depending yeah. on availability, but because of the GGs this week, you've uh, asked us to record a little bit earlier, haven't you? So um, Yes. So uh, we've done that, and as pure luck would have it, we've got a bit of breaking news that we're going to cover in the news section, aren't we, which is quite exciting. We won't say what it is yet. I mean, you're going to know what it is by the time you listen to it, if, you, if you've got any sense and you follow all the Car United channels, but some, some very interesting breaking news that has emerged uh, this morning on the, the Thursday morning. But um, yeah, how are you doing, Danny? You all good? I mean, you, you must be pretty good after that uh, game at the weekend and the result. Yeah, definitely. Uh, As I was saying to you uh, before we started recording, that result is a result of a team that's going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I think in previous seasons, we'd have sought out the draw, one all, happy point on the road. But when you're winning 2-1, 96-minute unmarked striking at the back post, returning from injury, something's happening, isn't it? It, It's one of those moments, isn't it? And we'll we'll talk about it in the the match uh, review section, but... It, when you look back on the season, that's one of those moments where you look back and think, "That's the moment we knew. Yeah, this is going to be our year. This definitely, this is it." You know, I mean, I've said it ba- for months. Yeah, when you look, when, I know. When you look back a couple of years ago on the beach and where it all went to pot, basically, yeah, there was no real moment in that season. Maybe where you thought that possibly, maybe that Walsall game on New Year's Day, but that was probably a little bit too early to be starting to think that. But we never had that. Eureka moment that season, did we? Whereas this season, it kind of feels like we're getting a couple of those at the moment, and it's kind of like, yeah, this really is a, a big opportunity for us, isn't it? But but there you go. Right before we get started with the news section, because a couple of us to cover in that, um, we'll uh, we'll t- we'll tell you who's been sponsoring the podcast this season, which you should should all know by now if you listen regularly. Uh, where to subscribe to the podcast and how you can get in contact with us. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Car United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and, of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters' games and fundraising for the club. This season, they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that'd be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Uh And also, if you want to drop us an email, Brunton Bugle at gmail.com. Right, Dan, let's get into the news section. Um, 
Do you want to start with the big bit of breaking news first, or should we go with what we've got we so may far? as well. You've hyped it up. Go on, let's go over it. Well, uh, yeah, the the club tweeted uh, this morning a little... Uh, is it the the old um, the the clock logo? Isn't it? I think they did. Let, let me get the tweet up. So it's the it was a blue heart, a blue circle, and a pen with a good news and Ron Swanson doing the old um, thing with his, you know the how do you describe it basically? Is it shake pineapple or something? That the, the move from like um, Agadu? I don't know how to describe yeah. it. Anyway, it's it's Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec getting very excited. It says good news. And you know, oh, what's this news going to be? And the news is. It's a new contract signing, isn't it, Dan? It is. Jack Harbour. And not just a contract, a three-year contract, which is going to keep him at the club until the summer of 2026. The, hang on, hang on. The, the days of more than one-year deals have finished at this club, uh, aren't they? Oh, you clown. know, getting rid of that clown's one of the best things we've ever done. Like, cause yeah. The idea that you could su- survive at this level on one-year deals and actually progress and go forward as a club is... Absolute madness. So, one of the best decisions that was ever taken at this club, not just alongside getting Simo and was getting rid of him. And we, we, we don't mention his name. I accidentally mentioned him on the uh, the other pod that I was on the other week, didn't I? I tried my hardest not to say his name and then dropped it in by accident. Um, but yeah, Jack Armour, three year deal confirmed this morning. And uh, Simo, from his comments, sounds absolutely delighted about it, doesn't he? Certainly does, and uh, also a suggestion of possibly another today. Yeah, which typically will that'll be after. Be, be announced, and you'll know by the time you listen, and possibly more in the future. Yeah, the, really interesting comments. And one of the things Simo said basically is that when we sat down originally and discussed with him, they were talking about a two-year deal. But then Simo's like, "Well, actually, that means in two years' time you could leave it on Bosman." Let's get him tied down long term, and then you know if someone comes in for him, which someone could do in the future, because he's. He's been terrific, you know. You look at this season, he's, he's missed, what, four minutes of league action, I think it is, in total, which is seriously impressive. You know, when you look at that, you think to yourself, well, what's to say, you know, he, he won't go for big money in two, a couple of years' time when he's got good 200 appearances under his belt? For the I've, I've, I've kind of alluded to this already in the past, haven't I? You know I mean? I think he's... I've already said, I think in time he moves more inside... Uh, and I think he'll make money for us because he's doing it properly. He's got, he's came out, took the gamble, being rewarded with games. You know, it's he's improved as a player as well. That's the thing from the player we brought in, and he looked tidy when we first got him. Remember when he played those games at right wing back, didn't he? And he was cutting on his left, and you thought, wow, there's a player with a bit of ability. But his strength, he's you know, he, yeah, he's not blindingly fast but he's got a little bit of pace about him he gets up and down his, his fitness levels are superb and his quality on the ball as well as improving I think the one thing he needs to add to his game is goals more on that shortly obviously um, but yeah fantastic to tie him down to three years isn't it really um, Simo in his comments also basically mentioned the fact that essentially he wanted because he, he said a while back, didn't he, that we won't be discussing contracts before the end of the season. And I knew he was fibbing when he said that. I thought there's no way they've not at least done some initial discussions with agents. And obviously, it's come out with this now. What Simmons actually said is he doesn't want to get involved in it early on. So Greg is the one who's handling it. He doesn't want a big group of players coming to him to talk about contracts. So Greg's handling it. Some players have basically said they want to wait till the end of the season, which you know, totally entitled to. You know, you that's the way we've got players in the past. So can't really grumble there. But some players obviously are quite keen to discuss new deals and are very happy here. Armour's the first one to do it. 
I wonder who the next one is. I, I, I'm going to have a guess. Who, who are we going to guess with who's going to be his afternoons? We're going to look stupid, obviously, when this comes out. But uh, let's look stupid. I'll say Feeney. You go Morgan Feeney, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I think it's Morgan Feeney's the most likely one. The only one I can think of, maybe Amari Patrick, maybe is one we might look at. Because I wonder with him, maybe he'll want to get tied down longer this time rather than wait till the last minute, get a deal somewhere and it not really work out there. But that, that's... It's, it's, it's interesting to note the reason for the three years is so we didn't lose him on a Bosman after two, yeah. which would still be possible. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So that common sense there really to get him tied down. But fantastic news. Yeah, just Jack Armour here till 2026. I mean, 2026 is when the next World Cup is, which is yeah. mad really. Is it? You think he's tied down for that long it, now? It, so. it, it, won't, it won't be at the World Cup though because Scotland won't qualify. Uh, well... Well, he's not declared for Scotland yet. He's only played at under nineteen level, so he could yeah. still he could still play for England. You know that left back option's been a bit of a, a problem one for Gareth Southgate, hasn't it? So you know, John Mellish on the left side of the defence and Jack Armour on the uh, left back wing back position. Yeah, I can see that happening in USA and Mexico and Canada. Ah, definitely, definitely. Right, uh, let's go on to the rest of the news then, Dan. Um, first up, yeah, we've we've been waiting for United to do a ticket offer all season, haven't we? But finally, here it is, and it is. 10 pun to get in the grun. 10 pun to get in the grun. It's on an afternoon, there's nowhere else to go. 10 pun to get in the grun. What else you gonna gonna spend your new world on? There you go, a little bit of audio there from the, from the Waterworks. Um, their latest ditty. They've done a cut few now, haven't they? They've done obviously uh, Gannon up, uh, Moxon with a fox on, which is a belt in. A, I've had that stuck in my head. I've had all three of them stuck in my head for the last few days. Um, but yeah, so for the Good Friday game against Tranmere Rovers, uh, ticket prices have been slashed to ten pound, haven't they? Yeah, not my idea. My personally, I would have done this weekend for the. Yeah, I think I'd agree third, with that. I think yeah, third, third for the third v second. The only reason being, Tranmere is Good Friday, and I think we would have had a really good crowd anyway if we yeah. keep winning. Yeah. But uh, no, fair, fair play to them. Uh, the one, the one 10k, it wouldn't surprise me if it gets up to about 12 or 13, to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I can see, especially if we get a couple of good results before that as well, and we're firmly in those automatic positions, I can see a really big crowd for this one. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine, I, I can see Tranmere, I know they're not having a great season, it looks like their season's pretty much petered out now. But I could still see them bringing five or six hundred, even on you know on a, on a bad thing, which is impressive enough, you know, with the season they've had. And when you look at it, they've had a pretty awful season, haven't they? Considering you know what we expected from them, goals wise, strange, strange team. They really are. They're up right at the top for clean sheets. Defensively, they're a really impressive side, but they they cannot score for Toffee, and they just don't seem to know how to resolve that in terms of signings in January. They've I mean, they let Elliot never go to Crew, look one of their better attackers, and they've kept, you know, Kane Hemmings, who's not really proved to be a, a great signing for them. So he scored a few goals, but not that great. So, so yeah, strange one with them. But yeah, so it's uh, ten pounds for adults, uh, under eighteen and under fourteen to five pound. Although we, we should note, under fourteens do have to be accompanied into the ground, uh, and under sevens are free again. Under sevens have to be accompanied because you don't want under seven children running around free in the ground really do you um so yeah the, the club are also doing a ticket donation scheme for this one for local business and fans basically if you're in exile who can't make it and you think so i want to help out a family who maybe are a little bit less fortunate and can't afford to go to the football or struggling a bit 
get in contact with the club and, and say, I, I want to buy a few tickets and, and you can buy a few extras and, and yeah, help people out. So uh, Yeah, I, I was I was down on Monday picking up a couple oh. of tickets for the Stockport game, actually. Uh, yeah. Quick note, all games are available now till the end of the season, which is another good move. Oh. Uh, I've got a couple of mates coming down from Glasgow for it, so I was getting that and uh, someone I know was down and they, they bought, I think it was... 10 adults and 20 kid tickets for wow. their business, you know. Brilliant, brilliant and stuff. By all, but there's plenty others have done so far, you know. Yeah, there's details about it on the club's website. If you if you buy a certain amount of tickets as well. Oh, shut up, Alexa. That, that, <laughs> Alexa, stop. There you go. There's a little treat for you. I somehow managed to set Alexa off by there. But anyway, um, yeah, so so basically, if, if you go on the club website and find the details, if if you donate a certain amount of tickets, you can, I think you can get like a player to come down to your business for a nice foot opportunity and you'll get a mention on the club website and things like that. Yeah. I've certainly seen, I think, the uh, used cars for sale guy has been mentioned and Thomas Graham, obviously a long-term club sponsor, they've definitely done it as well. So you'll probably see a few more of them appearing and yeah, def- definitely worth getting involved if you can. Um uh, and, and yeah, it, it it just there's such a good feel good thing about the club, isn't there? And this ten for ten campaign hopefully is gonna lift us to another victory. And you know, arguably, and I don't want to say this, it's not billeting Tramir, but arguably our easiest game of the season that's left, probably. So at home, at least anyway. C- certainly home, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. The home games, it's the only one that's not you know in a playoff position or promotion position. So yeah. Hopefully that can give us that extra little bit of lift to get the result there. Uh, final little bit of news uh, to wrap up. Um, the reserves had a game this week, Dan, didn't they? Yeah, uh, as usual, top secret. I never understand that. But <laughs> yeah, they uh, they played a little trip over to Middlesbrough and played their under twenty ones. Uh, some good minutes for a few of the, them coming back. Mm. The, the particularly um, the ones that stand out are, are both Devitt and Dixon. So Devitt managed to get a full ninety minutes, which. I think anybody knows he's quite rare for Jamie these days, sadly. But uh, Josh Dixon getting 45 minutes as well with no issues. Playing at wing-back, so he's getting plenty of Bart you know, Barkley running. Barkley got a full 90 minutes. Edmonton yep. played 60-odd. You know, yep. uh... Dennis and JK got some minutes in the legs because they've not been played as much as well recently. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Harrison, Corey Whelan got 74 minutes in as well. It, so, it must have been yeah. slightly weird for uh, Robinson playing against his mates, basically. Yeah, it's very strange that one, isn't it? Really, but there you go. I noted that uh, the, the the subkeeper was Lewis Boyd, so I'm not sure if um, Gabe Breeze has got a little knock or something. I know, obviously, we know Scott Simons is still recovering from his the finger injury he picked up, but uh, yeah, no Gabe Breeze in there. That was an interesting one. I do wonder if maybe for the end of the season we're gonna possibly load him out for a month or two, maybe just to get some games under his belt before the mm-hmm. campaign finishes. But um, but there you go. One uh, one draw it was. Uh, Christian Dennis scored from the penalty spot for us. Um, Middlesbrough equalised with a. By all accounts, stunning volley late on in the game. So, um, so there you go. Good, good minutes, and yeah, that, the important thing is, for, I think, for both Devitt and Dixon as well to get through that injury-free two games. Now they've played, that's a real boost. And surely you'd think they're both in contention to potentially even feature in the first team now. Which, you know, considering where Josh has come from, especially that that's a real boost for him, isn't it? Um, lone watch. Uh, not as much to cover this week because I mean we might as well. Nip it in the bud straight away. Sam Fishburne and Kai Nugent, neither of them play this weekend because, or even midweek games, because uh, the mop of both of their games against Warrington and Bamber Bridge were fell foul of the weather. Um, they're actually playing at Stirling Bridge Celtic this weekend and then a Northumberland Cup 
senior cup tie against Whitley Bay. So that, that's the game for Sam. And for Kai, um, he was supposed to be playing against Cole. That was, again, victim of the weather of snow over in the, the hills above Lancashire. Um, uh, this weekend, they're making the journey down to Merseyside to take on City of Liverpool FC. I'm a bit annoyed about that because I would have gone to that if it had been the week after when we were playing Gillingham. But as it is, it's not. So we're going to have to give that one a miss. Um, the other one's Max Killsby. Well, we're going to talk about uh, one goal scoring left back in a bit. But first up, heading north of the border to talk about um, another win for Annan and another appearance in goal for Max Killsby, then. Yeah, yeah, doing well, isn't he? Yeah, that's uh, 26 appearances now and four goals. Um, interesting, he's played at left back a lot for them because obviously he's a centre back more than anything. But he's one of the, he's a young player, I suppose. You, you're sort of finding your way in your position, aren't you, really? It's not really set in stone that he would be a centre back. But. Um, but really encouraging for him, isn't it? Um, they went 1-0 down, actually, in this uh, against Elgin City at home. Um, and it was Max that got the equaliser. It was a lovely sort of free ball. He did well to, to win the ball off the play. And, and a great finish from a tight angle into the roof of the net, wasn't it, really? Um, shouldn't really be scoring from there. You'd maybe question the goalkeeper slightly. But all in all, you know, you take your chance, don't you, I guess? So um, ended up winning 4-1. That puts them back up to third place. Um and this weekend they face a trip to four five Athletic, who actually are six points behind them, but they've got two games in hand. So it's a big game. This if they can if they can win this, that creates a little bit of distance. And it looks like they're probably going to get a playoff place this season, which again that'll be a great experience for Max, won't it? Yeah, I'm just looking. It's four and eleven for him goals wise. Mm. Uh, it, it, it sort of I know when uh, Robinson came on loan, there was talk that he could possibly earn more come the summer, but I think. Killsby's sort of showing that we maybe need to just look at Killsby instead. But it's one of those ones. Sort of, you know, I mean, Armour and Mellish are going to be first choice. Hmm. But, you know, at the moment, if you had to pick between Killsby and Robinson, you'd probably stick with Killsby, I think. But then with Killsby, I suppose he's got an option on his contract, doesn't he? So yeah. trigger that option, if presumably it's on the same wage or maybe a slightly bigger wage if you trigger him for another yeah. year. Because obviously you allow a little bit of increased inflation and stuff like that. Um, tie him down for another year and get him out on loan somewhere else if we think he's developing well enough. I, I don't, especially if they're going to cover the majority of the wage. For me, it's a you know no brainer really. Potentially, if you can get him out on loan to maybe a national league. If we go to League One, we get into a national league club on loan. Perfect, isn't it? Even go to like a Gaten or someone like that. I think if we can do it where, I know when you load to National League, you can have a 28-day recall. Yeah, I think only, that's only the three months one, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. so twenty-eight after 28 days, you could bring him back in case something happened to someone, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I, I feel long-term-wise, I feel like you look at it, he's scoring goals, you see playing in a team that's doing well, I'd imagine he's got a decent chance of getting a deal. I've said this every week, but I, I, I feel like, if a player's done that well in a loan spell, you really should be looking, especially someone that young, there's still time for them to develop. Give them another year and let's see how they do, basically. Yeah. It, I, I think it'd be silly to let him go now. But, but hey, Samo and Greg, I'm sure, have had him watched every week so that they'll know how well he's done. Uh, Lewis Bell uh, doesn't get any better for Gretna 2008, does it, Dan? Um, no. Seventh consecutive defeat with a 3-0 loss at Bonus United. Uh, Lewis did get another full 90 minutes. He's playing a full 90 minutes in every game and from the the up the uh, reports we've had from um, from Jeff Jackson, who regularly goes and watches football at that level when United are away, um, he says he's done really well and he and he's a very standout player at that level. As somebody who looks far too good for that level, but 
it's the rest of the Gretna team who clearly are up to it at the moment, isn't it, really, sadly? So, uh, yeah, you do wonder if he's going to have his deal extended next season. I say the chances are probably slim. In fact, I think, to be honest, for his own career, he'd probably be better off not and getting away somewhere and actually getting regular football at a decent level. What, what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think I think he's probably he's suffered from a certain someone completely overhyping. Yeah, totally unfair. And he's never he, he then he uh, you know he, he got hit badly by COVID. He did, he did. That's, that's and true. it really hit him. Uh, I think it'd be best probably maybe looking if he could get to Workington or something and going yeah. again. If working to go up, especially as well, that that'd be a probably a good level for him. If not, if, if he can get himself a national league north club or something like that, perfect, something like that. Even like a Gateshead net because it looks like Gateshead are probably going down, don't they? And I feel like for some of our players, that might be a, you know younger players, that might be a good destination for them next season. Actually, somewhere where they can maybe play a bit more regularly and and show what they're capable of. But uh, but there you go. Uh, just final bit. Uh, Dan Hill, a bit better news for Cleetmore Celtic though. Um, their game in Greater Manchester against Daisy Hill went ahead and they'll be glad it did. They ran out 4-0 winners. Uh, two goals for Connor Hamill in this one, former Blue. We didn't put him in the XL section because we don't tend to go down that low, do we, really, for in terms of updates? but Not yeah. unless it's a completely random one. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a couple yeah. of goals for Connor Hamill in a 4-0 win. He played <coughs> the full 90 in this one, Dan. Um, that keeps him in touch with second bottom Runcorn Town. Still looks like they're going to be down near the bottom. I don't think there's any relegation from their level. Is that? I think it's all elections and stuff. Like that. And I imagine Cleeton and Celtic could probably be kept in it because they don't. They quite often want to keep areas in contact with the league, don't they? Really, if you know what I mean. So uh, hopefully they'll um, remain here. Uh, they, they had a midweek clash with Holker Old Boys that was postponed due to Watlock pitch. And this weekend they've got a trip over to North Yorkshire to take on Ilkley Town. And also I should note, Lewis Boyd is still occasionally appearing for Carlisle City. I think. It's one of those ones where he can when they're needed. And he, he did feature at the weekend, didn't he, Dan? That, that sounded like a balmy game, Carlisle City, from what uh, I saw an update on their Twitter feed. Um, yeah. Three goals disallowed, including one that was disallowed. And while the players were still celebrating, not knowing it was disallowed in the corner, the opposition, West Auckland, took the free kick for offside and were basically through on goal against Lewis Boyd and, and scored. So, uh, yeah, interesting one, that one. Dan Kirkup sent up as well, late off in that game, apparently. So, um, there's another X-Blues update for you. Um, I think he was sent off for celebrating a goal from behind the goal. I'm guessing that's probably because of the way it went. I think, I think it, it'd be something daft, like he'd been subbed and celebrated a goal and got sent off. There was something complete, I'll have to double-check it. Yeah, it, it sounded like a mad one anyway, really, but, uh, but there you go. Um, I, I did love how they sold it before the game, though, Carlisle City. Did you see that? The team with the worst home record against the team with the worst away record face each other yeah. um, thing. Like, come on, lads. <laughs> Give it the big sell at the very least, but there you go. Um, right, let's go to the match review then. Um, so, Indian Town 1, Carl United 2. <sighs> Don't do it the easy way, do we, Dan, eh? No. What a, what a ridiculous game, really, in terms of the finish you know it, it's as we said in the introduction earlier on it is one of those moments we're going to look back at this season aren't we and say wow what what a season this was that that was a moment aren't we yeah like I, like I said at the top of the top of the show I've always wanted to say that by the way uh, <laughs> you know those sort of moments are produced by teams who are doing things yeah we're doing things uh, yeah exactly that. sucking up league two adios 
well, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves too much, yeah? Um, yeah, so it, it's one of those... Get, we, me and Mike went down for this one. We drove down from Liverpool. Um, not nice enough drive, actually. I, I didn't realise how easy it actually is to get to. It's not as difficult as you think. Um, and it's funny, we, we got there. Mike was very insistent that we go to a Burger King across the road from the ground. And... He, because I was saying, let's go to Spoons in town or something like that, get some food. He said, no, no, there's a Burger King in the ground, we'll park and we'll go there. Took us a while to find somewhere to park. Finally got in there, paid for the parking. Walked down to this Burger King, drive through only. I've never seen a man look so disappointed in my life as I did when uh, when Mike was like, oh, he was like, there was like a, oh, like that. He was so, so gutted. He had to go chipping around the corner, which wasn't too bad. But, um, but yeah, playing in front of a big crowd, 9,000 plus with a, 500 plus away following. I, I, I don't know. When I saw the lineup and I saw you know, Charlie Austin there, there was a little bit for me like, this, this could be a tough one. As it was, it was quite a balanced game, this actually. It wasn't a huge amount to pick between the two sides. And yet, we're coming out of it and I'm thinking to myself, we deserve that win. And we'll, we'll, get, we'll get onto that in the talking points in a bit. But the Swindon fans maybe disagree with that. So I'd, I'd, I'd throw it back and say they're wrong, but I'll, I'll talk about why later. In terms of the team selection, were you surprised to see Senior come back in for Gibson? Uh, no. No, I wasn't we've even. All to be been, fair. We've all been harsh to Jordan. Uh, mm. More just because Senior is a a proper right wing back, whereas Gibson can play there, but yeah. it's, it's not his strongest position. And, and, he, and his best bits against Grimsby actually were when he played more as a winger, really, than a wing back, wasn't it, really? So it, it's not quite as comparable as, as Senior playing there, is it? No, no, and uh, it's just a bit more balance overall, isn't it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, only one other change, and it proved quite a timely one, didn't it? Jaden Harrison came off the bench for Ryan Edmondson for his first appearance in a first-team squad since uh, mid-December, so three months out of his shoulder injury, back earlier than expected, though, which is really impressive. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, in first half... I mean, did, did you manage to catch most of this, Daniel? Were you listening to it, I'm guessing? From... I was I was driving about. I had a couple of jobs mm. to do Saturday, which is quite rare for me. So I was in the car park of B&M at St. Nicholas. Uh, Mrs. went in and I sat in the car so I could uh, listen to the match. Very and nice. And I then got home just in time for the winning goal. There's something quite exciting, isn't there, about, or something quite enjoyable about sitting and listening to a game in the car, isn't it, on the radio. It, it, it's very old school, but it, it, it's kind of yeah, comforting yeah. in a weird way. Um, first half, it was it was quite balanced, actually. There wasn't really much. I, I think we edged it. And when I look back at the highlights, actually, yeah, we did. I mean, in terms of chances, they had a couple, basically, and Hepburn Murphy was their biggest threat, and he he paced the burn and a bit of trickery. And it was weird, because he was sort of playing down the middle, which was a bit weird. I thought, get him out wide, surely, is what you need to be doing. I mean, the first one he had was when he, he, he twisted Mellish a little bit inside out, managed to get to the byline, and hit a ball across, and nobody was looking to get in. That, that, that's, I thought that's prime territory for Charlie Austin to be nicking in and tapping the ball into the net. As it was, he was stood on 12 yards out on the penalty spot almost, and it was like, what are you doing there? Um, and the other one was one that Mellish nearly created for him, which you've probably seen, Dan, where Mellish tried to clear the ball with his right foot, managed to slice it miles into the air, back into his own area where I don't know why he's trying to head it when he probably could have taken a touch and hit it. But he, as a look will have it for us, he headed it wide. Um, but in terms of our chances, 
Joe Garner had a, I mean, sorry, Joel Senior, um, no, that was second half, sorry, Joe Garner um, probably had the, the best one in terms of a free kick in from Moxon on the left and nice flicked header that Bryn did well to, to cl- clutch out of the air. Um, there was another one that fell to Armour, nice after a bundle in the box by Mellish and it was a good block by the defender to be fair. Did exactly the right thing, Jack, just hit it first time, but defender got a block in. Um I'll tell you something. Yeah. Next, the next goal Joe Garner scores is going to be some cheer because the work he's put in in recent games, you know, very unselfish as well. Mike has made this point right. When you look at his stats, like since he's come back, he's got one goal, and I don't think he, has he got an assist yet. You might have one had in an ten assist. Got. Yeah, one in ten. And I'm not even sure he's actually even got an assist. He's, he's not listed on my my app as an assist at the moment, but. And, He's probably got pre-assists for such a thing. He's, yeah, exactly. He's been so involved in the play and he's such a nuisance that he's a massive part of why we're doing well. And I imagine Christian Dennis is a bit frustrated sitting there thinking, why am I not, he's not scoring, why am I not getting a chance? But overall, it's making a better difference to the team and that, that's just a shame for Christian, but he'll get his chance, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so yeah, first half, I think we you know, we, we, we just about shaded it. There was another one where Patrick nearly nipped him, but he's... The ball got away from him. The keeper came out to claim it. Into the second half, let, let, let's get straight on to it. What a goal from Jack Armour. Yeah. Unbelievable finish, wasn't it? With his right foot as well. Well, yeah, so basically corner comes in. Charlie Austin has his best chance of the afternoon heading it against his own bar. Um, Swindles scramble it out to the edge of the box and it falls to Armour. And they must be thinking, oh, he's fallen to the left back on his right foot. This isn't going to be a problem. Turns out it is side-footed half volley on his right foot into the top corner from, what, 20, 25 yards. Did he mean it? Yeah. I'm not having it. I'm not having it at all. There's no way he's gone in there thinking, I'm going to try and put this in the top corner with that shot. I think, fair play, he's done exactly the right thing in terms of getting over the ball and controlling it. And I imagine if you asked him to do that a hundred more times... I reckon 97, 98 of them, he fires miles wide or over the bar or nowhere near goal, basically. But that one time, he's caught it perfectly. And that's all you need, isn't it, really? Certainly is. It, it, it Unbelievable finish. I mean, like, their commentary was even the same, weren't they? They were saying, like, wow. Like, you know, and to be fair, their co-commentator, Marcus Fjortoff, who's the son of uh, Jan Aga, um, you might remember, the Swindon legend, um, I spoke to him the day before the game and I was telling him a bit of sort of information about our squad and stuff and bigging up John Mellish and things like that. But I did say to him, look, you know, that Arm is such a consistent player. He's very, you know, gets up and down the left. He, he's played, you know, almost 100 league games. Was, turns out this was his 100th league game, actually. Um, and he's Mr. Consistent. And he even said, like, look, I, you know, you, you don't anticipate your, your left wing back's going to put that into the top corner, do you? Really, just 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 pure luck. But there you go. So yeah, um, brilliant goal. We'll talk about Jack again shortly. Um, in terms of the other chances, McEachran then had a free kick from the left. He found Austin on Matt. I mean, Charlie Austin's got to bury that surely. You would think so, wouldn't you? I, I was so disappointed with him. I've, I've got a, that. That was a talking point, mate. But he he was seriously disappointed in this game. Um, there was a, an, another chance in terms... The senior actually nearly created a great chance, very similar to what Hepburn Murphy did in the first half, where he hit a low ball across the box that no one was getting in there for, which was a bit frustrating. 
Um, McEachern had a, a great free kick that was well saved by Thomas Holy, and then uh, tame shot by Wakeling that sort of went wide from distance. There was a period where they started to put a bit of pressure on in the second half, but then um, then came the goal, and it, it, it's a frustrating goal to concede, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was it. just just one of them, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it's kind of like it. We get an initial block in, the ball comes out to the bo- edge of the box, the shot's blocked, it loops up, and fair play, he does well to actually to shield the ball and get it over to his left foot, and then just hit a lower drive that Holy's got no chance with. And it's interesting that listen, I listened to the the guys you know who did the, the Swindon Town pod that we chat with, the low strangers, and they said they they felt that our players were on our hands and knees and thought they'd blow it and thought we were, you know, we're going to end up losing this. I didn't get that impression. I The impression I got was that a couple of them maybe had cramp and a couple of them were like just frustrated of like, you know, we've let them back into this. Right, let, let's sort ourselves out. And that's what we did actually. The next 10 minutes, as much as they equalised and you thought, right, they're in the ascendancy they might nick it. We didn't have anything to do after that. They didn't threaten the goal at all. I don't, I can't remember Holy having a single save to make after the goal. And we just slowly started to creep back into it. We continue with our pressing. And that led to the goal, didn't it? Yeah. It, it's, I mean, Jody Morris, the, the Swindon manager afterwards, to be fair, said exactly the same thing. Says, I don't know why we're messing about with it at the back. And I did warn the Swindon podcast. I did say to them, say, look, you know, teams at this level mess about with it at the back and we don't. We just get on with it. We get rid of it when we have to. But we'll press teams who do that and we'll take advantage as we did against Crawley. And we did it here again, kept going till the 95th minute at this point as it was. And Saul Brin, as the ball played back to him after, I think he plays a goal kick short, plays about a bit, comes back to him under pressure. He scuffs his clearance straight at his own defender. The ball falls nicely to Edmondson, who's already put pressure on him. He finds Moxon, Moxon lays it to Armour, gets the corner. And then Moxon, very brave corner to take, isn't it, actually, when you look at it, because... He'd taken one a couple of minutes earlier and he'd completely fluffed it, basically. Put it onto the roof of the net, didn't get it right. To then go with pretty much going for the exact same style of corner, looking high, looping to the far post. If you mess it up again, you know, you look back and say, why didn't you try something different? Nope, he stuck with his guns, played a lovely high ball to the far post. Edmondson had the, the, the you know, the freedom of Wilshire, get his head on it, nods it past uh, Bryn and Pandemonium. Unbelievable, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I just watched it before yeah. I came on to record, and I still can't believe he just stood there on his own. Well, if you watch it, if you watch it back, Melish on most of the goals, on most of the corners, stands on the keeper, doesn't he? He basically yeah. blocks it, tries to block him as much as possible, and then sort of steps off him at the last second, so he doesn't get in trouble, get like booked or given away an offside. For this one, he doesn't. He gets more involved in it. He's looking for the ball a bit more. And what happens is, one of their men, because it's a sort of zonal marking, is sort of on Edmondson, but then he peels off and gets attracted to the ball. And Edmondson does the exactly the right thing. He's like, I'm not going with you. And he takes a step back into that space. By the time the defender realises, oh shit, I've left Edmondson unmarked, Melish is there. And Melish doesn't like hold him off or deliberately block him. He just backs into Melish. Melish does nothing wrong with what he does. He's just holding his ground. As it is, Edmondson gets a free header and nods it in. And, and like I said, the, the scenes at the end were incredible, weren't they? Even uh, little Jeff Hoff was getting involved, wasn't he? He <laughs> ran the length of the pitch to get here. And Paul Gerrard was that, there that, as well. That, that, that's one one thing I noticed as well. Like Mick Kelly, 
hardly yeah. played a second apart from trophy games right in the middle of it and that that they speaks volumes it. for the for the the attitude and the goodwill and the, the, the good atmosphere. feeling in the camp yeah the atmosphere of the squad is incredible you can tell and that's something that i said to the swimming guys that that's that's what sim has built he doesn't he doesn't want bad eggs in there he wants good characters he's very keen to make sure you know people in there have got the right attitude and you've got a like you said, a backup keeper there, I'm sure is desperate to, be, to to play league games, but as it is, he's getting, his, you know, he's still getting involved and, he, and he's loving it. And he might not get a contract next season. He might be gone in the summer, but he might go away with a league winner's medal. And he's technically in terms of appearance. I think the clubs get to decide, don't they? They get to hand out medals to, to a number yeah. of players. Well, I'm sure he'll get one because he's, you know, he's yeah, played a big part yeah, yeah. in pushing Holy on to, to be a better keeper. And yeah, yeah like and he said, travel, travels everywhere, you know, Exactly, you know, he, he's he's a big part. He does the warm ups, you know. He, he he helps Holy in that sense, and and yeah, it, it's just nice to to see the real camaraderie in that squad. And like you said, I mean, even someone like that having a good character like Jeff in the squad, who, who clearly really gets into it, and you know, and it was fantastic just to see the, the reaction when that goal went in, and you know, the fans were going mad in the stands as well. There was there was a fella there who's on a, a, a stag do who um, was being made to wear a full Hartlepool United kit. He was down at the front <laughs> with his top off, swinging around his head. Um, but I certainly, well, I, I you, you know, the Hartlepool top in the middle of the celebrations. Do exactly. You? Well, to be fair, you know, with that physique, he's in better shape than I am. So I, I certainly wouldn't be doing that if it was me. You wouldn't want to be seeing me swinging a shirt up of my head. So fair play to him. But yeah, it was just like the the real goodwill feeling after you know afterwards leaving there. And I, I, I bumped into. Um, a couple of fans that, that we both know and, and they were saying to me like this feels better than that that equaliser that, sorry the winner that Feeney got at them last season <sighs> do I think it's as good at it? it's, it's hard to tell yet because it depends on what the end the end result is but yeah it's got to be right up there with that it was just an incredible feeling when that goal went in and and that was it they had a kick off and they, they, they I mean they had a chance to actually loft the ball up from the kick off and have a go but they tried running in and then they tried this weird low scoop ball that Feeney was able to just shield back to Holy. Really, yeah. really weird decision making from from Swindon all the same. It's all right being a possession and passing team, but you know, I mean look at the stats. They've had what double the ball we've had pretty much. Sixty four percent possession to thirty six for us. So what? They didn't they only created like they created a few more chances, but a lot of them were long range pot shots and nothing really that was ever going to threaten Holy. You know, we've had more on target than they have and Pass success, 75% to our 52. Great. Pass it about your back four. If you want to do that, that that's your choice. But for us, we'll get it up the pitch and we'll use the ball better in the in attacking areas and, and take advantage of it. So so there you go. Um, should note, uh, who scored.com man of the match? Once again, Owen Moxon, keeping himself right up there in the top in the, in the rating of the who scored.com. He's got to be a strong contender for League 2 player of the season now, surely. You would think so, wouldn't you? Because the thing is, with Orient, they don't really have one player's excel, do they? Really, that's the thing. They've, 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 they're a really good, solid unit. For Steven, as you guess, it's Pierre Gianni. But for us, Moxon's been incredible, hasn't he? In terms of the way he's played, you know. So that's the the big thing there. Um, right. Should we do the uh, six second reviews, Dan? Yeah. Right. Give me one sec. Let me dig this out. First up, uh, we'll have. Michael from Formby, he's sent us in one. Just an absolutely outstanding result, I think. You know, a good team would have got a point on Saturday. You know, there's no shame in that. Leighton Orient only managed a point at Swindon. 
but a great team will get three points and you know it just shows the never say die attitude to keep on trying to get the winner uh swindon kind of wound up on top which coincided with moxon getting booked i think they kind of just got their foot on the game a little bit uh, which obviously led to their equaliser but their fans were kind of moaning that they were passing it out a bit near the end but we were pressing them we were causing them problems we were forcing them to give away corners and ultimately that's what won us the game you know it's easy for them to blame them but we were forcing them into these situations um, Paul Huntington absolutely outstanding I mean you, you expect him to win every header and he did that and I think Swindon were expecting that from him and they were putting him some, some, some low crosses and he was dealing with all of them as well. Just absolutely brilliant. I mean, everyone was brilliant, but yeah, fantastic performance from Huntington and Edmondson off the bench. What a what an option to have. I mean, I feel sorry for Simo right now with the, with the options he has, but for me going forward, you've still got to start Garner and Patrick. I think they look like a very good strike partnership and Garner of all of our strikers is most likely to put a defender on a booking and I'd, I love seeing Ryan Edmondson coming on off the bench against a centre-back who's on a booking oh, That's a pretty fair assessment there I think he, what he said at the start is pretty much what you were saying before isn't it in terms you know that's what a great team does you know getting a result in a place like that so fantastic um, I mean his point about Huntington absolutely I mean I, I had him as my man of the match, to be fair for this. I thought he was outstanding in terms of, you know, winning his headers, getting the ball away, clearing it, just dealing with trouble. The one time they didn't deal with troubles was the, was the time when Swindon scored frustratingly. And I think that's probably the slight thing where they thought, oh, it's typical that, isn't it? That's just what happens. Um, let, let's go through some of the talking points before we do another six-second review then. Um, jack of all trades. I mean, couldn't really pick a more fitting way to mark 100 league appearances, could he? Jack Armour. No, and despite what James Phillips said, it wasn't his first league goal for Carlisle. He scored at Northampton at the start of Christmas. I wonder if he got a little bit mixed up there and was trying to say first goal of the game, basically, but his wording didn't come out that great. I think that's probably what he meant, really, but just the sod law, isn't it? We'll let him off. Yeah, I mean, another great performance all round, really, from Jack in terms of getting up and down the pitch. And, you know, they did say before the game, the Swindon guys, that Romeo Hudson was their big threat in terms of, you know, getting balls into the box and swinging them in. I don't remember him putting a single cross into the box in this game. And that's a testament to how good Jack was. He kept him pinned back as much as anything. And, and when he did get forward, he he just dealt with him, really. So, really testament to him. And obviously, we you know, he doesn't turn 22 until a month today. That, that's astonishing, he's, isn't he's, it? He's, Jack Arm is just sort of like his... He just gets on with it, you know. He's become a solid seven out of ten every yeah. week. I mean, he would get eight for a Saturday because he scored, yeah. you know. But he just comes in, does his job, no fuss, cracks on, you know. And his, his new contract fully deserved, and he's he's going to make us money unless we go up to the championship, which is yeah. entirely possible, of course. Yeah, he could he could 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 well do, couldn't we? Yeah, I, I just feel like the way he's playing, the way in terms of his fitness levels are. He's a lad who could end up making five or six hundred appearances in the football league. That I'd really do think because he's just so solid. And like you said, he's got the ability probably to step back and be centre back at some point as well, if needs be. So yeah, re- really fantastic stuff from Jack once again. Um, I mean, in terms of the overall performance, I mean, last week I, I described the performance as an efficient one, 
Um, this week, I think it was very much a case of patience. Taking your time, not getting overexcited. Very even first half, slightly edged. It came out strong start of second half. Thought we were the better side for maybe the first 10 or 15. No panic when we went behind when they had their strong spell and just kept working away and got the reward at the end. Get great pressing at the final minute. And there was no case of us sitting there saying, we're happy with a point here. What we did is we were like, right, let's put a base here where we don't concede and lose that point. But let's try and have a little go here and see if we can maybe nick it. And that, that's where we got our reward, really. Um, let's talk about Edmo's return before we do Regan's six-second review, then Dan. Um, he's had a frustrating first season at Brunner Park, hasn't he? Is it fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm just looking at his... I think, was that his sixth goal this season? Sixth goal this season. Um, and all of his five league goals have been headers. That's one John Coleman, I think, posted up at the weekend. Yeah, and I, I think previously, whenever he scored, we lost. Mm, did we? Wow. Oh, we didn't win anyway. He scored against Sutton, one all. Yeah. Two one defeat at Walsall. Uh three all draw at Harrogate and uh three two defeat at home to Orient where he got a red as well. And also the two one loss at uh, at Shrewsbury in the cup. At yes. the start of the season as well. So, yeah, yeah. That, my my app won't score back that far, but oh, yeah. Right, well, so that was his that. first goal in a winning side. Yeah. I, you know, so obviously he's been, he's been very unlucky. He picked that injury up, didn't he? Uh, after that Shrewsbury game, he was out for quite a while. Came back, had it, you know, in and out of the team around about that point. And then he looks like he's getting strong and he's looks he's, he's pinned down a place. Gets that terrible shoulder injury from that ridiculous he's, challenge he's, on him. He's actually scored six in 14 games, if you yeah. include the FA Cup and the League Cup. Yeah. I mean, we don't count the trophy because that's yeah. nothing. I'd I, I say this, like, like, you know, first game back after three months out, Looks sharp and decent on the ball. Smart enough to peel off the nod home, the winner at the end, which you know shows you what a clever player he is. He's come back two weeks earlier than expected as well, which is a, a real massive bonus. It, it's quite remarkable we can leave one of the top scorers on the bench, isn't it really? And and, and I said this to Mike when I was leaving the ground on on Saturday. I think it's, all, it's almost going to be a, a blessing in disguise, these knocks that Edmondson's had. Because I think if he's fully fit, I think he has a great season. He potentially he's going to be, be comfortably into double figures, and actually we'd probably be looking and thinking we're going to struggle to keep hold of him in the summer because he's not going to have as much of a chance to impress. I think, I think he's you know he stays next season, and I think if we get up to League One, I think he can excel at that level. I think he's got the ability, definitely. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Right, um, let's do Regan's six-second review of the game. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it out the way early. Jack Armour, goal of the season. Weak foot, edge of the box. It's an absolute rocket. Um, un- unbelievable goal. It's one of the best I've seen following the Blues. Um, in terms of them, though, I thought going down, I'd have took a point because they're a pretty good side and the one of them who knocked the ball around. But like a lot of teams in League 2, they don't really go anywhere with it. It's just possession for the sake of it. And... I saw a Swindon fan moaning about our style of play, saying we just knock it up to the land of the Giants, but that's effective football, and that's why we're at the top end of the league. Um, give me our style of play over there as any day of the week. You know, it was quite boring. There was there was time. There was a bit of time in the second half where they were on top, and I was a bit worried, but there was nothing really probing from them. You know, and um, we forced a mistake to get the corner. Mox swings it in, and who are marking Mellish blocks a man and Edmo's just knocks it into send the away and into absolute limbs you know I went flying there was a few of the lads going absolutely flying all over the spot and that is why you follow the blues you know 
you spend years watching absolute dross for moments like that. Um, it shows good desire as well. It's exactly what we need, you know. We've got what, 10, 11 cup finals left now where we've just got to keep digging in and getting these three points and Saturday shows we're really capable of that and we've just got to go again for another massive game on Saturday. So, as always, shag is shag and it's as simple as that. Up the blues. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're waiting for. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty fair assessment. I think, yeah, he's right about in terms of people all over the place not standing when that uh, goal went in. Um, it brings me on quite nice, actually. I'll talk a little bit about Swindon now. Um, I thought they were quite a decent side, actually. Decent enough. And I think if they had a few additions to that side, a little bit of experience to the spine, maybe, I could see them being up there challenging the top three next season. I still think they're quite short this season and they're not going to make the playoffs now. They're, they're, they're too far off and they've not really got the form to propel themselves into there. Um, but I, I don't, I've i been on their form and I've look and seen a few comes into it. I don't buy their claims that they deserve to win from it. Not at all. They had a 10, 15 minute spell where they got on top. And what it was, it's when they made their three subs, but then we made our two subs and we didn't really adapt to the two subs of Edmondson and Gibson coming on very well it took us a while to actually realize I think there was kind of feeling is Gibson playing as a number 10 in the midfield or is he playing out wide with Edmondson out wide the other side of um uh, you know down the middle with Patrick playing whatever we didn't really work out and they took advantage of that and they got on top and that and obviously the, the bookings to the midfielders didn't help either really that made it difficult all three of our midfields got booked which it was not a dirty game in the slightest the referee was poor in that sense I thought um, but last 10 minutes we edged it we just started to get back into it again and I think overall if you look back at it in terms of the best moments and stuff I think I think a point would have been a fair result but actually us nicking it I don't really see a massive problem with that to be honest um, yeah quick comment on Charlie Austin absolutely dog shit he was he was awful I didn't I wanted to say it to Mike in the game at half I wanted to say I'm not impressed with Austin at all here but I thought no if I say that he's going to go and score now isn't he so I kept shut, and then once he got subbed, I said, you know what, he's been absolutely awful for them. A total contrast to what Garner is for us. You know, Garner, fair play, you know, he hasn't got the goals, but his all-round contribution, brilliant. He's been outstanding. Austin looked a, a couple of clam overweight, and what he was doing, he was he was trying to do what Garner is in terms of getting involved and linking play and coming back. But actually what they needed was someone in the box to get on the end of stuff for them, and he, he just didn't really offer that, and... That does show the gamble, doesn't it, Dan, in terms of when you bring a player like that in, it can work, but sometimes it can it can not quite, it can disrupt the rhythm of your team, can't it? Yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Luckily for us, it seems to be working. Yeah, it, it is perfect, isn't it, for us, Garner? And I suppose it helps. Austin's similar in the sense Stop that... Stop press. Go on. Stop press. Go on. Another tweet from the club. Oh. So in about 10 minutes, we will have some more news. Well, by then, hopefully, we'll be into the second half of the uh, the show. So what we'll do is we'll drop it in at the start of the second half, maybe. So uh, so there you go. Yeah, in, in, in terms of um, uh, just wrapping it up in terms of the match review bit, and then we'll just do a quick lead to roundup. Um, strength and depth, just at the right time, Dan. We're just getting those players back. And uh, surely, if you're a Swindon Town player, whatever, looking at that bench for the game, you're thinking... Blimey, they've got some players to come on, haven't they? Well, Dennis Edmondson, Gordon, straight away. Yep. Corey Whelan, you know, can slot in into a defence and do a job wherever. Yeah. You know, Jack Robinson, obviously, well, you're not going to know as much about, I guess. But 
he offers something and Gibson you know he's, he's one of the top assistants in the division still despite the fact that he's been out of the team a little bit lately so just goes to show doesn't it um, right let's do a quick League 2 roundup. unless there's anything else you want to talk about from the game Dan nah nah I think we've covered that haven't we right let's do a League 2 roundup then well first up Dan uh, no game for Leighton Orient their trip to Mansfield fell foul of the weather. The only game in League Two to fall foul of the weather, but I guess Mansfield's one of those places where it may be a little bit more susceptible to that. Possibly, they I had remember. a good snow coverage from the four to yeah. so yeah. So, um, so uh, that allowed uh, all the other sides to potentially close the gap, which obviously United did. Uh, but also Stevenage, they closed the gap. They picked up a three-one home win over Walsall to bounce back from their surprise loss at Rochdale last week. I mean. I have to say, I said this to the Stevenage guy, and we'll touch. Obviously, we're going to do the Stevenage preview in a minute, but um, yeah, I, I kind of looked at him for their next two games. You couldn't ask for a nicer set of home games to, to follow up that Rochdale defeat, could you? Walsall and Crew at home, yeah. two sides who you know are listing towards mid-table for the rest of the season. You're looking at that thinking, yeah, that'll do me quite nicely, aren't you? Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, Northampton missed a chance, though, to close the gap anymore. They only closed it by one point. Um, messed up at Hartlepool. They only picked up a, a point in a 1-1 draw there. There was a dodgy moment in this, though, wasn't it? I think Jack Sowerby possibly had, like, a broken nose or something, I think, from an elbow, and the player only got booked for it. So a little bit of a disappointing one for them there. Bradford, they also stumbled to a 1-1 draw at Newport, um, while Salford... Lost 4-3 in a thrilling Friday night game at Crew. I don't think anyone said that for a while, have they? Um Because yeah. they'd been poor. But I mean, that was it. Did you see what happened with this one with Gary Neville, though? Because obviously, no. um, Crew, uh, Salford went free to up on like 80-odd minutes, I think, of something. And he tweeted something like, yeah, fantastic result, whatever, you know, great, great getting a win or whatever. And then Crew went and promptly scored twice in injury time to win. So it's the old adage and lesson there, isn't it? I noticed in the team of the week as well, a couple of Salford players got in who got beat. Yet yeah. we win 2-1 away and we didn't get any players in the team. And our left-back scores a, a wonder goal as well. Yeah, which is, it was a strange one, isn't it? But yeah, so that's a bit of I mean, Salford, a very hit-and-miss team. I, I could see them potentially missing out on that playoff place, you know, just because I don't think they're consistent enough. Um, Stockport, they ended their recent poor run with a 1-0 win at Colchester. So basically, ourselves and Stevenage and Stockport closed the gap, whereas Bradford and Salford and Northampton missed a decent opportunity, really, to sort of close in a bit more. Um, into midweek, Stevenage got a 1-0 win over Crew, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, that took them back up to second. Northampton closed the gap with a 1-0 victory against Mansfield, while Bradford could only manage a 0-0 draw at Walsall. In fact, no, is that last week? I might have got that wrong there. But that's last week's one, so I had included that one by accident. But there you go. Um, and that's it, isn't it, really? So, uh, yeah, um, pretty happy in terms of review stuff. We'll take a short break, and then we'll be back with the second half of the show. Hi, it's Morgan Feeney, and you listen to the Brunt and Bugle. Deliberately picked that just in case it's him who's announced as this uh, contract. And we're going to find that out any second now, basically. It's, it's frustrating. We're both keeping an eye on the official website, aren't we, while we're <laughs> recording. And we're just constantly refreshing, hoping the news comes up. But uh, have, we, have we got like a ding-dong tag? Yeah. Noise we, we, uh, I, I might have something here. There might be some sort of noise. I've got a, a tumbleweed. I think. I've got. I've got a drum roll somewhere in here. I think. I'll see if I can find. Yeah, that. I, I think a drum roll over a tumbleweed. 
Let me see if I can get that added before we get going any further. But yeah, into the second half of the show. Um, so obviously, we're going to be previewing both the Stevenage and the Bradford games, aren't we, Dan? We had a little look yeah. and we were like, oh, you know, we could um, potentially, you know, do um, uh, drum a roll. separate one for them. Oh, drum oh roll. let's have a drum roll. Bloody long drum roll, that, isn't it? Callum Guy has signed a two-year two deal with a further-year option. Oh, that is good news. And bear in mind, he's an option as well at the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. I mean, fair play. He's been fantastic season. And again, I mean, how many appearances is he on now? Let's have a quick check of that before we go any further. Um, I'm going to get up his stats if it ever loads. Oh, it's so bloody slow, this thing. Um, but yeah, brilliant. I mean... We, we sometimes goes a bit unmentioned what a good season he's having is doesn't it really in terms of this campaign I'm just looking at it now so he's got 114 league appearances on top of that in the cups he's got another 13 so he's closing on 130 appearances overall for us he's had his seasons affected a little bit by injury a couple of times hasn't he I think as well but well yeah fantastic great news to see him tied down for a longer deal Someone who's really stepped up, having had the captaincy taken off him, hasn't he, really? It's a real testament to, you know, not sulking about something like that and just getting on with it, isn't it? Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he, there was a little part at the start of the season where he just didn't seem 100%, but from the turn of the year, he's been absolutely fantastic. And he's added goals to his game as well, which is a big thing that he'd, we didn't have before. And, and and not not boring goals either. I mean, arguably, at the end of the season, come the goal of the season, he'll have three goals in there, won't he? These goals yeah. against Salford, Doncaster and Wimbledon, you know, all brilliant strikes. So, yeah, fantastic news. Callum Guy tying down for a longer deal as well, um, at least till the summer of 2025. But obviously with that option, it's effectively till the summer of 2026. And... Uh, that's the advantage of having a manager on a long-term deal as well, isn't it? You can get these players tied down on, on longer deals. And I'd almost be looking in the summer if we go up, get Simmer's deal extended by an extra year as well. Have him tied down to 2026. Brilliant stuff. Right, on to the preview section, Dan. Uh, Mike has done us the question of the week, so we'll do the question of the week first before we go to the behind enemy lines. And here is the question Mike has sent in. In 2005, we beat Stevenage in the conference player final to... Go back to the Football League the first time of asking. Who did Sky Sports award Man of the Match for this game? That's a... That's a belt of that. Uh, I mean, I'm going to guess it's not Peter Murphy. That seems far too obvious. Yeah. I guess it's not a Stevenage player as well. It's got to be a Carlisle player. Uh, I'm thinking of the, the lineup. You had Holmes and Murray in attack. You had Glenn in Nets, you back forward. Was Baharol started though? It was Addison. I think it was Baharol, wasn't it? Baharol yeah. at right back, uh, Cowan at left back. Your centre backs were Livesey and Gray. Midfield of Peter Murphy, Chris Billion, Chris Lumsden, plus Adam Murray. Was Adam Murray probably starting that? I wonder if it was Adam Murray, maybe, you know? No, I think he was on the bench. Was he? Who was Stanley um, McGill movie right. started that game? Can't remember. Who, who you I'm going to go for Matt Glennon. Do you reckon Matt Glennon? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 part of me sort of agreeing with that. I think you might be right, but 
Hmm. I'd need to see the full stats of the game again, wouldn't you? I don't know how involved he was, really. It's one of those weird ones, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to go... All right, you'll go McLennan. I should really pick someone different, shouldn't I? I'm going to go with... Da, 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 Tom Cowan, then. So here's the answer to that question. And the answer is Derek Holmes. Oh, okay. There's part of me in my head was thinking, oh, maybe it was Derek Holmes, because he definitely started and he was a nuisance up top. But Yeah. Uh, play, all right, okay. So there you go. That's the question of the week out of the way. Uh, right, let's get into it then. Uh, behind enemy lines. Uh, this week, I spoke to Matt from the Stevenage FC podcast. Um, Matt must be one of the most enthusiastic fans of a club I've ever met in my life. So positive about his team, which is, is really great to see. And, I mean, why wouldn't you be right now if you were a Stevenage fan? Things are going brilliant for them. Uh, what did we talk about? We talked about how far the two sides have come in the last 12 months. The goalkeeper crisis they've faced this season, which has been quite incredible. Very reminiscent of us in 2000. Uh, back then, if anyone remembers, that season of goalkeepers was ridiculous. Peter van der Kwak. Uh, and yeah, and, and the name, I, I won't mention the other one that you'd never like me mentioning. Um, uh, and whether this weekend's game really is a winner-takes-all situation. So here's the chat I had with Matt. Matt, I had a listen to your preview episode before our chat uh, that we're doing now. Uh, and I thought there was a really good point in there. So I'm going to throw it back to you and put it to you again. So go back to April last year. You travelled up to Runton Park to see the dead rubber fixture between our two sides who have just avoided relegation. If someone told you 11 months later, you'd be back to see second v third in arguably one of the games of the season in League Two, you'd have called them a nutter, surely, wouldn't you? Oh my God, would you, right? Um, and by the way, first of all, uh, thanks for listening to our uh, pod, i got to be honest, <laughs> right. when you just told me I was over the moon. Um, but yeah, no, to be honest with you, it, it's crazy, isn't it? We, we were talking about it on the pod and, you know, to think that our two teams were you know, relatively down there. Obviously, I know that we were closer to the relegation zone than yourselves, but, you know, two teams that have been down in that bottom half. And yeah, if someone would have tapped you on the shoulder and said, oh, here you go, chaps, in a year's time, it'd be third, be second. You just, you never would have believed it. So look, we're absolutely over the moon. It's going to be a, an amazing game. And, and do you know what? I'm, I'm going to own it. I think it's one of the biggest league games I've seen a Stevenage team playing in a long time. So yeah, well, what 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 a uh, what a crazy year it's been, right? It, it, it's been mad. I think it's fair to say for both teams. I mean, what has gone right for you guys this season? Then, because I, I looked down at your squad, and it's not a bad squad. I have to say that you know, there's, some, there's a bit of quality spraying there, but I don't think anyone would look at it and say that's a top three squad in terms of quality. Is it a case of having a good sort of togetherness in there and a squad that you know actually fits well together? Because it's easy to throw a squad together with a lot of quality looking players, but having a squad that fits and works in tandem can often be the challenge can't it yeah no look I, I do I do agree with with, with some of that I, I think um, I, you know I did think we did recruit some really mm. good players you know the likes of Dan Sweeney that just won the league yeah. and Danny Rose but yeah I completely see your point you know we haven't exactly gone out there and signed the Sam Hoskins or Andy Cooks <laughs> right but yeah. I think what we've done really well is first of all we, we've got a proper manager in the door and I, and I know we've said it a lot this season but Steve Evans really is the first proper manager we've we've ever had at the club of football league experience. So I think that's kind of been the route to to our sex our success this season. I think the identity of football that we've created with the players we've got worked. A lot of the players that that, that we've brought in are, are winners. And you know, if you look at some of the players like Jordan Roberts and again, I say again, Dan Sweeney, Danny Rose, Alex Gilby, 
they've all been playing for, for sides recently who have been up the top of their league. So they're winners, they know how to play. And I think on top of that, it's it's been a a, a, um, a mentality with our team, you know, a never-die attitude. They play until the very last whistle and all of a sudden they've found themselves with a lot of wins in the bag and a bit of momentum behind them. So I think, first of all, again, I go back to it, it it's the manager, the manager and, and the job that he's done for us as a club. Oddly, actually, um, it would be a year ago tomorrow that Steve Evans was appointed manager at the club and to think that he's taken us from... 22nd to second place is an incredible achievement. But yeah, look, good group of players. We built an identity and fortunately it's it's worked out for us. You've mentioned Stephen Evans there, so I'll jump ahead to a question I had for later. But Steve Evans, a man who divides the opinion of football fans across the country, I think it's very fair to say that. <laughs> How close is he to getting to Graham Wesley in terms of legendary status at your club now? What I, I certainly think he, he's very close. Um, and, you know, we, we Graham achieved a lot at the club, but I just think, for me personally, and other Stevenage fans might, might disagree, but I think if we were to get promoted, I would label that as the biggest achievement in the club's history because for the past three to four years, we've only been going one way and that's yeah. downwards. And, you know, it's almost been a, a fake thing. Maybe we're going to end up back in the non-league and it's looked like that for three years. The turnaround has been... I've never known a turnaround like this at a football, football club um, in the Football League. And I, I would certainly put yeah. Steve, if we get promoted, as, as probably the most successful manager we've had in, 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 a, in a short tenure. So, you know, it's not even the league stuff that we've achieved. It's also stuff in the FA Cup when we beat Aston Villa. And, you know, the season's been incredible. So, for me, if we were to achieve promotion, in my opinion, it would be the greatest achievement in the club's history in terms of where we've been for four years and you know Steve Evans is gonna um hopefully be the man that we all look back in on in the uh, on in the future and you know say that was probably one of the most successful managers we've ever had at the club it's a fair point though because the last time you got to league one you very much had momentum behind you didn't you yeah coming up from non-league football so this time you're starting from a low base of having like you said I mean surviving based on Macclesfield going bust effectively wasn't it last time that's the reason why you didn't go down after covid you know which is when you look back at it you must think well that, you know that, that that's the luck you get sometimes in football isn't it It just works for you um yeah yeah uh, well you've mentioned about the fa cup run there so let's let's talk about that um what was going through your mind when you got that con late on in that game <laughs> oh it was just it was an incredible night. Uh, obviously, the bread and butter for us is League Two, but as you always know, FA Cup football for especially smaller clubs of our size mm. is is great. And yeah, it was it was an incredible night. I think going into it, um, we we just wanted the team to play well. Um, you know, that was the consensus. Mm. We knew that if the game's level late on, we've got a chance. We scored so many last minute goals, and it. And it played out that way. We got to the last 10 minutes. We kept it 1-0 as we were losing at the time. We made the changes. We got the penalty, which was an incredible moment. We, you know, we thought we nicked a replay. And, you know, we were all in tears crying about Mm. that, that we just got a draw at Aston Villa. And then, love behold, we nick the ball back. We get a corner. We think, get it in the box. We play it short to Dean Campbell. And when 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 he's controlled the ball, you're thinking, surely not. I mean, no. And he's gone bang and it's hit the back of the net. I've never seen anything like it. It was... I think up until that point, that was the greatest night in the club's history. I certainly think if we get promoted, the promotion topples that. But yeah, what an incredible night. I'll, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the, the scenes inside the ground, the celebrations. And 
yeah, kind of realising what we achieved that night. Oh, just what an incredible night in the club's history. I think some people forget, don't they, how big a club Aston Villa are? Because, I mean, if, if you beat, let's say, a Brentford in, in, in that stage or even a Bournemouth, it's not quite as exciting, is it? Because you think to yourself, well, we were playing them in the league not that long ago, so it's not really that big. I mean, Aston Villa won a European Cup in the 80s. And they're still a big club. They're still right up there in, in the Premier League. And yeah, th- that feeling it must have been at that final whistle as well. It must have been incredible. Probably a little bit disappointing to draw Stoke in the next round, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> that's just luck, isn't it, sometimes? Well, that was it. I mean, we knew who we'd drawn prior to the game anyway, because I know the draw was 30 yeah. before. So we knew we got Stoke. But but you're completely right. I mean, I remember obviously when the draw was, was made and, and we were just over the moon with, with what we'd got and I think when we turned up on the day you saw the size of the ground you you knew oh my god we're mm. playing here today and when we walked in and we saw that there was 36 to 38,000 tickets sold you thought my god to win in front of that crowd was just yeah. uh, something I never ever would have ever imagined but yeah it will live long in the memory it will certainly go down as one of the greatest nights in the club history and yeah, what 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 a moment, and what a moment for this team as well, because you know this team had been put together by you know from scratch in the summer, and to have you know be second in the league as we are, and to have beaten a Premier League side away from home in the manner we did, yeah, it's just credit to the players and the, and and the um and the management staff for 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 making that happen. An incredible night, and um, yeah, I'll never ever forget it. On the topic of the cup run, it. Did seem to dent your momentum a bit in the league uh, after after you went out at Stoke. You failed to win any of your next five, and that actually allowed us to rein you back in a little bit. And obviously, then get ahead of you briefly. Um, was there a feeling of maybe you know it was slightly to the detriment of your league form, or was it were you too lost up and caught up in the excitement of it at the time? I think it's a bit of both, really. I think in the moment you, you're celebrating, aren't you? And, mm. and actually, at that time, we were still winning our league games, so. Yeah. Um, everything was perfect for us. I, look, we, we'll all tell you at Stevenage, and I'm sure it's the same for everyone else. You know, our bread and butter's league too. You know that that's yeah, yeah. what we want to be doing. That's what we want to achieve. You know, again, I say it: promotion over that night, Aston Villa all day long. It's what we want to achieve as a club. But the FA Cup it brings the funds for smaller clubs like us. It yeah. gives our supporters and our club moments like we had at Aston Villa. And I agree with you. I think it did kind of alter things a little bit. We picked up a few injuries through the cup games to, to vital players, which has obviously kind of put us back in, in the month of February, where we knew that was going to be a tough month considering the injuries. So yeah, I think it did have an effect. I think it maybe ran out the legs a little bit. And looking back, could we have done without it possibly? But at the same time, uh, millions of pounds for the club. So yeah. it's well in the cofters and... Um, and yeah, we, we're over the moon that we had it. But obviously, yeah, it, it probably did have a little bit of an impact on us. If we didn't have the cup run, would we be first place right now? Possibly. But um, but I'm still over the moon that we're able to experience it, nevertheless. Well, interesting you mentioned injuries there. It brings me nicely to the next question. So, mm. at Carl, this season, we've had a particularly horrendous injury list for most of the campaign. Near enough 10 players out for, for long periods. And we've actually had what I, I call the curse of the right wing back. Seven different players have played at right wing back for us this season, um, compared to only one at left wing back, which is ridiculous when you think about it. For you guys, it's been the curse of the goalkeeper, hasn't it? <laughs> oh my God, has it? God, I've never seen anything like it the last uh, the last two months. Yeah, I mean, Tay, um, our, our original keeper, Tay Ashby Hammond, mm. who's been 
absolutely brilliant this season. And actually, since Tay's been gone, we've realised how easy he made it looking go. It's just ridiculous. Mm. But yeah, Tay uh, tore a little bit of his cartilage in training uh, just after the uh, um, Stoke game in the FA Cup, so just before we played Sutton and ruled him out. He brought Jockel Anderson in from Exeter, who's a League One keeper who we were over the moon with having. Jockel played two games and then I think he broke his arm against Newport. So then we've had to get in another keeper in Toby Sabin, who, well, he weren't saving anything, I think. That was the, <laughs> uh, that was the running joke at the football club. Played a couple of games... Yeah, couldn't, couldn't we, we called him paper hands by the third game. It was it was ridiculous what we were having to settle up with, and then and then Accrington called him back, and then we've got a young lad called John McCracken who I've been really impressed with. He's mm. he's played two games. It's been his first two professional games as well as a as a goalkeeper, and he's been brilliant. He's conceded one goal. He got a clean sheet the other night. His distribution's excellent, uh, and we're over the moon. So yeah, it has been the curse of the goalkeeper, and. And we've had injuries to other players like Terence Van Kooten and Luther Wilding, which hasn't helped. And, you know, we've had to, I think our issue is we, we, we've probably changed the side a bit too much around those injuries. That's why we've been mm. losing the games. But fortunately, Steve's got back to playing the starting eleven, And, um, yeah, we seem like we've come out the blip. It's interesting. Carlisle fans listen to this might want to know there is a slight link to us in terms of your injury issue with goalkeepers because the goalkeeper at Accrington, who got sent off, um, Lucas Jensen, who as a result, Toby Seven had to go back to Accrington. We had him on loan a couple of years ago. Oh, um, I see. In fact, that was last. Was it last season? Yeah, it was last season. Sorry, we had him on loan. He played one game, and then we brought in another keeper, Mark Howard, to play uh, on a permanent deal. He he stayed, and Lucas Jensen was on loan for the whole season, but never ever got mentioned. Mm-hmm. And there was a running joke That's on it. our podcast: where else? Where else? Lucas Jensen. Because no one knew where he was, and, and he suddenly reappeared playing for Burnley under twenty threes at one point. So <laughs> he's an interesting one, Lucas Jensen. But obviously, there's the slight link to us. Um, yeah, in terms of your January transfer business, were you quite happy with it? I mean, looking through, a couple of interesting additions. Obviously, you lost um, the, the lad from Norwich, didn't you? Went back. Did yeah. you go to Plymouth? I seem to remember. I imagine that. Um, what is Saxon something, isn't it? I think. Yeah, Sa- Saxon early did hit. Uh, you know what? That was a big miss. That was he. Oh. He had been brilliant for us, and uh, you know, at the start of the season, Max Clark, who's actually playing really well now at oh. left back. He, when we first signed him for Rochdale, we thought he was going to be the starting left back, and Saxon came in, played the second half of the last twenty minutes on the uh, opening day in the season, and the rest was history. He was brilliant, and yeah, he, he went to Plymouth. I think. I think actually. Um, there's rumours that Norwich sold him for um, half a million Wow! Um, to Plymouth. So, obviously, Saxon's gone to Plymouth. He's doing really well there now. He's scored a couple of goals and playing regularly. So, yeah, Saxon's a That's big the risk, player. isn't it? That's the risk yeah, of having a player on loan. You can always lose them, can't you? Uh, you can, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think Steve alluded to it. It was such a big miss. But fortunately, Max Clark stepped up to the Ooh. plate and, and he's playing equally as well as Saxon did. I, looking at the other January, well, your January arrivals are having departures. Um, Foster, Cas- uh, Foster Kasky, sorry, and um, Daryl Horgan and Josh March. They're, they're three that really stand out as good, strong additions. And at, at first, maybe I had a feeling when I looked and saw your results dropped off. I thought this reminds me of us a couple of seasons ago when we thought we made some good additions, but it disrupted the flow of the squad a bit. And, it, and as a result, we sort of dropped off. It looks like they're settling now. Are they, have they been pretty good additions? Yeah, I mean, do you know what? When we when we signed them in January, we were over the moon because they're League One players. I mean, Forster Kasky's a Charlton player. I know he's been injured a lot the last mm-hmm. year, but he's a League One player. Daryl Horgan's a League One player. Mm-hmm. Josh March, 
won the league with Forest Green last Ooh. season and contributed to a few goals. I remember him scoring against us on a New Year Day. They're, they're, they're League One players, including Tomkinson as well. So we were yeah. um, we were over the moon with them. I, I'll be completely honest, actually. It's taken them a while to settle in. They didn't yeah. really make an initial impact of the squad. We were saying, actually, Daryl Horgan and Forster Kasky and Josh March, they first come in and actually they didn't really make an impact at all. So we were... For about a few weeks, we were a little bit disappointed. But recently, um, after a, a couple of months of settling in, they're starting now to to play like the players that we that we kind of thought that we first had. Josh March, uh, a perfect example. Um, I think he said in an interview last week that he didn't feel as fit as he could have been when he first joined the, the, the club and had a couple of games, didn't score any goals. Steve played him last Saturday and he scored two goals and he should have had a hat-trick. He was brilliant. He played uh, last night and was again terrific he looks like a player that is going to hopefully help us get over the line when we've got obviously Elliot List out injured he's been out injured all season so yeah they're starting to play like the players that we first thought that that we'd signed Forster Kasky's played a couple of games now he's looked really good he was he was great at AFC Wimbledon and, and he was brilliant when he came on last night I think he could actually start against Jorla on Saturday so yeah, they're starting to play like the players that, that we wanted them to be. And yeah, we're over the moon with it now. They're making an impact. And, and thankfully, because of that, we're getting results. Yeah, it, it, it helps, doesn't it, sometimes? It, it, it does, does take players a while to settle. We had it with Zanzalo a couple of years ago. It took him a good month or two to actually settle in. And when he did, he actually started scoring goals. And unfortunately, it was too late because the rest of the team had dropped off so massively by then. It didn't make any difference. Um who are the danger men to watch out for then this weekend? Obviously, you've mentioned a few players already, but anyone in particular that we, we need to keep an eye out for? Yeah, there's a couple that stand out. Um, up top, you need to keep an eye on Luke Norris, uh, Jamie Reid. Jamie Reid come on and scored a brilliant goal last night. They're two players that you need to keep an eye on. Luke Norris is our top goal scorer. He's got over 10 goals this season in all in all comps. I think he's got about 14 or 15 hmm. in all comps. He's got he's got 9 to 10 in the league. Uh, so you need to keep an eye on them. Their, their performances have been brilliant recently. Jordan Roberts, second top goal scorer. What a player. I mean, I, I, again, he's one of those players where we look and we think, how on earth have we got him? He's a League One player. He should not be playing League Two football. It's simple as he's a terrific player. He plays as a free role in the midfield. He contributes to goals. He gets assists. He keeps the ball. He's, he's, he's kind of crossing abilities. He's terrific. Again, he's just, he's not a player that should be playing in League Two. Terrific player. Other players like Alex Gilby, again, League One level players in the midfield, quality players. But there is something that you need to keep an eye out for, and that's the set pieces. I say it to, to every side of a podcast that I come on every week. Um, your Carl Piergiani's and Dan Sweeney's from corners, huge, huge threat. We, we score a lot from corners and a lot from free kicks. So keep an eye out for those boys whenever we get a corner or a free kick. Carl Piergiani's got a, I did read the other days only lost two headers from a corner this season. So, yeah, keep an eye out from those. I'd say they're our kind of standout players. That's going to be fascinating to see because we're very good on set pieces attacking as well. And we've got Moxon who puts a brilliant ball into the box. Mm. And we've got Paul Huntington who, since he's come in, obviously he's an experienced defender. He he wins almost everything in the air. So the contest between them two, he actually is really quite fascinating to see who, who comes out on top in that. Um, before we wrap it up and we do predictions, then we've got to record a bit for your pod. Um yeah. This weekend's game, then. So, you said in your pod, you feel if you win, you're, I think you, you tempered it down because you got excited first thing and you said, Oh, if we win, that's pretty much us, you know, we're getting there. But then, if you're like, Actually, if we win, that's puts us well on the way, basically. Do, do, you, do you still think that? Do you think it's 
a case of if either side wins, they put themselves in that pole position to get that second place. I, I really do. I, I think whoever wins really will go on to get promoted. I know, I know that there's still 10 games to play yeah. after and, you know, 10 games in the grand scheme of things in League 2, still a long way to go. But I just think, you know, if we win, we're up to 69 points. If you win, you're up to 67. Yeah, you're nearly there. You've pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot with a win. Uh, you know, oh. you probably need one more win. So... I do. Look, I, it, it's a massive game. And, and obviously being away from home, big ground, big crowd, look, I'd bite your arm off for a point. I, I think we said after we beat Crew and won the two back-to-back home games like we've done, it kind of takes the pressure off. It allows us to draw at your place or draw against mm. Northampton, who we've got in a couple of games after yourselves. So, yeah, look, I, I'd bite your arm off for a point. Do I believe we can win? Yes. Do I believe it's going to be a very tough game against a good side? Yes, I do. It's going to be a cracking game. It's going to be great to witness. But um, I fancy us. But look, I'd, I'd bite your arm off for a draw and, and, and run back to Hertfordshire with uh, with uh, 67 points in the bag. That would do me, yeah. So I'm asking you a prediction now. I think I'm going to guess. Is it going to be a draw for this one, possibly? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, Lee, anyone that knows me just knows I never bet against Stevenage. <laughs> so... Um, do you know what I, I said in our podcast earlier? I've tried to separate my bias view to my unbiased view, and it's very difficult because mm. I think going into it, um, I actually think a draw you'd probably be bang on with. When you when you look at a lot of the top teams, whenever they play each other, a lot of the time the draws, a lot of, a lot of the time that the the top sides cancel each other out. But I said on the pod earlier, and I, I'm not going to shy away from it. I've I've gone for a a sneaky, sneaky 1-0 win in the last 10 minutes, but I, I think it's going to be really tough. And do you know what? That 1-0 win could go either way, but I'm uh, I'm going to back us on this one. I'm going to say 1-0 win, last 10 minutes. I'll go for Luke Norris to nick the winner. Well, Matt, thanks very much again for coming on. Uh, I wish you all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. And generally, uh, I, I think it'd be very much justice if you guys go up because you've been right up there all season. So, yeah, all the best. Oh, Lee, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. And again, hopefully we see each other in League One next year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, big fans once again to Matt for giving up his time to speak to us. I also did a bit for Matt's pod. You can go and find that. We've retweeted it from our Twitter account as well. Uh, really good to chat to him. And and yeah, Dan, it, it's like there's so many parallels between the two teams, isn't there, in terms of this season? And, and probably Leighton Orient as well, you can add into that as well. All three teams currently in the top three have come from very similar situations, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, um, all big improvers. I mean, I think we both said we could see audience improving, but yeah, I don't, I don't think the Stevenage improvement was uh, I, as I, as, ex, as expected. Yeah, I'll give you that. I, d- I did have them yeah. as a dark horse. I'm pretty sure. So I'm, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to taking credit for that come uh, May or June or whenever we do our season roundup episode. But you're right. I mean, especially in terms of the getting rid of a manager late on last season, bringing back someone in an experienced head who's turned things around, got them away from trouble, and then rebuilt the squad in the summer. And I don't think anybody at the start of the season, if they, you told them that Carlisle and Stevenage would be sitting in second and third place come this point, would have believed you, would they? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's possibly the biggest game in England this weekend. Yeah, I mean, definitely the biggest game in League 2. 100% oh, yeah. there. It's one of those ones you look and you think, oh, if it had been next weekend with... It'd be an international weekend and obviously Sky not having any championship games to show or Premier League. They may well have gone, that, that's a good one to show that. And they might have picked us out of the game to show, mightn't they? 
As it no. is, they're not interested in Gillingham I, I, I just Carlo. don't think they would, no. I don't no. know, I have a feeling they would have looked and thought, actually, you know what, that potentially has to... If it had been Salford, they might have. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you're probably right there, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it just, it, it has that feel. It, it's such an exciting game, isn't it? And um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that again in a second, but let, let's get into some of the facts and figures. Uh, Tom Reeves from Warwickshire, he's the referee for this weekend's game. His second season in the EFL this season, he's taken charge of 29 games and handed out 95 yellows and four red cards. Not not too bad in terms of number of cards handed out. Uh, last season, he handed out 121 yellow cards and seven red cards in 34 games. Uh, the last United game he took charge of was the 3-1 win at Hartlepool earlier this season. Callum Guy was the only United player booked that day. Head-to-head-wise, it's a 26th meeting between the two sides. United have won 12, four have been draws, and Steamage have won nine. Looking at their squad, Dan, I said this to um, to Matt in our chat. I said, like, you look at the squad, it's a good squad, but you wouldn't have said it was a top three squad when you look at it. What it looks like is a balanced squad in terms of characters and, and you know, players yeah. that can fill in yeah. a few positions. And a little bit of experience sprinkled in there that, that makes a difference. And, and a manager who knows what he's doing, despite... I mean, I know there's a long-running thing between our fans and him, but the block gets results, eh? 100%. And actually, when you look at it, it doesn't look like a squad where... Because in the past, when you look at when he was at Crawley and when he was at Rotherham and places like that, he's obviously been very well-backed in terms of budget. And I'm not saying he hasn't had a, a, an okay budget here, but that doesn't strike you and go like a stockpot and go, wow, they've they've just thrown money at this. What he's done is he's put together a decent squad, hasn't he? And he and he knows how to drive them, and yeah, he's he's a detestable the character when he's on the touchline at times, and the way he behaves, and he, you know, he's gonna get some abuse this weekend. You know, good natured, I'd hope, but um, but if he was your manager, you'd love him, wouldn't you? Just because of the way he is and the way he gets behind oh, yeah. his team, yeah, he, he's that kind of character. He he has his persona, and it works for him. Exactly, you know, and 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 to be fair to him, right? What I'd say is actually. He always gives us a lot of credit as a club. He always says, yeah. like, you go up there, it's a, you know, it's a horrible atmosphere, but they get behind their team, you know, they really back their side and, you know, great pitch. Great. And obviously he's given Simmer a lot of credit this season as well and, you know, said we've got a good squad. And, and I think there's a bit of a mutual respect there, isn't there? But I think Simo knows there's going to be fun and games from on the touchline this, this weekend, so he won't be rising to that. Well, anymore. yeah, he, he actually said in his article, didn't he, on the, yeah. on the club site... Yeah, don't let's not get involved in any of that. Um, looking through the squad, Dan, any any names particularly stand out for you? I mean, Jake Forster Kasky, obviously, he's a you know a player with a very good pedigree in terms of his his dad and his stepdad. You know, you know, in Nicky Forster and um, Darren Kasky, was it? I think he played for Reading. I think it was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not 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 a bad set of dads, is it? Really, to get a bit of influence from, I guess. Um, he, uh, he's a decent addition. Pedigian is the one that stands out. He's he's played well this season. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you look at names, you see like Bostwick, you know, he yeah. knows what he's doing. Luke Norris knows what he's doing. There's there's two or three. Dan, Dan Sweeney won promotion last season with Forest Green, you know. Yeah. Perfect yeah. again, isn't it, in terms of that? And same with uh, Josh Marsh as well. You know, he's been a really good uh, addition in January. I mean, they've played the whole season as well without Elliot List. He was a really good striker for them. And yet he's been injured from, a, I think he's played like 20 minutes or something like that. And then he got injured in the first game. So to do without him as well. Seriously, seriously impressive the way they've gone about things this season, and and it's not the world's biggest squad. Even when you look at it, actually, it's quite a tight squad. So to actually do it on that, 
really, really impressive the season they've had. Um, one area they have had a bit of an issue is goalkeeper, isn't it? So yeah. they brought in Tay Ashby Hammond on loan from Fulham, who I think is the only player who gets anywhere close to Holy in terms of height. I think he's either six foot seven or six foot eight as a goalkeeper. Um, he got himself injured towards the end of January. So they brought in Jockel Anderson, who you might remember is the, you know, have gloves, will travel goalkeeper of last season, who kept going out on emergency loans to, to Exeter and Morecambe and a few other clubs in Reading. He actually signed a half season loan from Reading, played a couple of games and promptly broke his arm, which put them in a situation where they had to bring in Adam uh, Prisbeck, uh, Pris- Prisbeck. It, it, it's a, it's a Polish looking name, but he's Welsh, I should say. And he's only played a handful of games, so they were allowed as an emergency loan to bring in another keeper. Um, they brought in Toby Savin on loan from Accrington. And then, as as it would happen, Lucas Jensen, well, more on him shortly, um, he he managed to get himself sent off for Accrington. So Toby Savin had to go back to Accrington. And the way emergency loans work now, Dan, has changed, hasn't it? So if you have an injury crisis outside a transfer window... You can sign a goalkeeper on an emergency loan, but it's only allowed to be a seven-day deal, isn't it? Yeah. And every week you have to renew that seven-day deal, basically, depending on if your keeper's back fit again. So that keep you can't have like someone on a month loan and then your keeper's back after a week and you've got two very good keepers. Um, so as a result, they had to go back out again and they brought in John McCracken um, on loan from Norwich City. And it looks like he might have solved the issue for now. He's had a couple of good games for them, I think. So they seem pretty happy. So they've had five different goalkeepers playing for them this season. Um, like I said, very reminiscent of us in 2000, where I think we had a similar number, didn't we? We had the one who played in the FA Cup game that we don't talk about. We had Luke Weaver, Peter Keane, um, Andy Dibble. God, do you remember? That? That's going back a bit, isn't it? Um, Peter van der Quack, and I'm sure there's one over that I've probably missed in there. Michael Ingham. So at least six goalkeepers actually played for us, but another two were on the books at one point. Remember, was it was it the Norwegian or former Norway international as well who tore his hamstring running for a taxi at the airport to come over to play for us as well? Remember? Yeah, him? yeah. That that's how mad that season. John Coleman did an interview with him a while back. Did he? Wow, incredible that isn't it? It's ridiculous. But there you go. So yeah, they've had a bit of a problem with goalkeepers, but you know, in the similar way that we've had a, a big issue with right wing backs this season and. You find a way, don't you, when you're doing well, I guess. Um, only other bit I'd pick out. Obviously, you mentioned Pierre Gianni there. He's had an incredible season. Um, I'm really excited to see how he, how he goes up against Joe Garner, aren't you? That's going to be a real proper contest, that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I mean, the, neither of them are the biggest, actually. But Pierre Gianni is a good six foot one, six foot two, maybe. And obviously, Garner is only just about six foot, maybe just below. So watching them battle for aerial balls is going to be really fascinating. And I'm pretty sure Joe's going to start this game. I'd be amazed if he didn't. Um, and then on the hour, we can bring Ryan Edmondson on to continue the battle. Yeah, and, and and maybe bring him on with, with Christian Dennis and get Christian Dennis playing off him and yeah, taking the chances yeah. possibly. So it, that's going to be really interesting. One thing I have noted with Stephen is looking through the season is that um, they they have a tendency to... Evans because he has this really small squad, makes five subs more often probably than any other manager. He's really keen to, to make sure he uses those subs as much as he can, which as we've seen with some of the season, he's always he's more happy to stick with the momentum, isn't he, really? that That's his attitude to it. So different managers take different sort of routes with that. So 
interesting to see whether he does that at the weekend or whether Simo maybe thinks, right, I need to do that as well to match up in terms of keeping our players fresh. But Simo all seems quite comfortable to stick to three, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And there's advantages to that, I guess, but there you go. Yeah. Um, right, that's enough about Stevenage. We'll briefly touch Bradford. We're not going to go into too much depth on Bradford, are we? Cause no, we, we, us... we have covered it already. The, 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 the only thing really to look at, I mean, the referee is exactly the same as Will Finney, who was obviously the, the referee uh, who was in play for last time from Bedfordshire. That's a trek to make for midweek, isn't it? Um, just a note in terms of him, uh, fairly straightforward with cards, 25 games, 83 yellows this season and one red. Last season, 83 and four reds. So fairly similar in terms of his stats over the two campaigns. Um Last United game we took charge of was the 2-1 defeat exit to last season. John Merrish was sent off in that game. Quite rightly, if anyone remembers, that was not a good tackle from Big John that day. Um, 58 meaning between the two sides. 21 wins for us, 22 wins for the Bantams and 14 draws. So very well balanced in terms of head-to-head. Quick look through their squad, Dan. They, they, obviously, when we were originally going to play them, it was 21st of January. So they still had time to bring a couple more in, didn't they? Which they did do. Uh, they brought Adam Clayton in just before that game. Um but they've also added Sam Stubbs from Exeter City. If the name sounds familiar, it's because he is the son of Alan, isn't he? I think former um, Everton and uh, Hibs defender. I think he was. Was he Hibs? Mm. I imagine that. I'm sure, sure he was somewhere else as well. But I can't for the life of me remember where it was. But um, but yeah, so they brought him in, and, and a couple more have gone out. Jan Sonogo has gone out on loan to Walsall, and Levi Sutton's left to Harrogate for a permanent deal. Um, quick look at their squad, Dan. I'm going to look at it. it. It's far better than, than it you know, than the position they're in. Really, actually, when I look back at it now, they should be chall- they should be challenging for a top three spot for most of the season. Surely, shouldn't they? They should have been in there. They should be. In terms of the quality of attack, especially when you look at it, you know, Andy Cook scores goals for fun. We've seen that. Derbyshire, you know, yeah, maybe he's a bit older now, but he's still a good player. Harry Oliver Chapman. knows what he's doing in this league. Exactly. Jamie Walker looked a really good player in that game at the end of last season as well. Um, and even into midfield, Richie Swalwood played, what, 40-odd championship games last season. Adam Clayton's got Adam bags Clayton, of experience. Gilead's got plenty of exactly. experience. Ozadabi as well is a really good player on his day. Um, I think defence is maybe the only area you look and think maybe they've been a little bit short. And in goalkeeper, Harry Lewis was probably the best goalkeeper I've seen this season, actually, against us. He had a brilliant game at Brunton Park. So, yeah, it's kind of like you look and you think, oh. but then you look at their record and the problem is they rely heavily on Andy Cook, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Massively rely on his goals in terms of keeping them right up there. And when he stops scoring, they stop getting results, don't they? And it, it's it's no surprise that they've had this good run recently and Cook scored in pretty much every one of those games, doesn't he? So... He's going to be the one to watch out for against us at the week uh, in midweek. Um, beyond that, yeah, it, it's you, you think surely that I I feel like they're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot now, Bradford, just because of the momentum they've got and the way they're going. Could they sneak into the top three? Possibly. I think it depends on whether you know Stevenage drop off a bit. Because actually, one thing I didn't mention when we were talking about Stevenage is Stevenage next three games, us. Northampton and Salford. That's a rotten run for them, really, in terms of the quality of opposition they're playing. That's a nice word to use, rotten. It is a bit of a rotten one, isn't it? In terms of, you know, you think of of all the things to have at this period, you don't really want that. So they're probably looking at that and think, if we come out of that pretty unscathed, Stevenage, you'd imagine they'll be right up there and finishing the top three. 
So that goes to show. Um, right, let's talk about United then, Dan. Um, look at that injury list I've put up on the thing. It's looking nice, isn't it? Only what Ooh. four players on there? I mean, two of them are long term. You've you've almost discounted for the season, haven't you? Really, they're not involved now. Basically, Dickinson and, and Joe Silver. But Finn back potentially back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Taylor, Ta- Taylor Charters maybe in a week longer, three weeks or so. Jack Ellis probably two or three weeks as well for him. So he's end of the month. It's just coming about at the right time, isn't it? In terms of, I mean, this weekend we could have, when you look at it, potentially. You could be leaving out, let's say you went for exactly the same 18, you're leaving out Ben Barkley, Jamie Devitt, Jaden Harris, uh, Josh Dixon. All four of those, fit enough to be involved, are going to be left out possibly, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, we've not had that. We've maybe had one or two out for this season. This is probably the first time we've had more than two players left out on match day squad, isn't it? And that's a massive, massive bonus coming into this running, isn't it? Definitely. Absolutely. Um, start 11, stick again? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think we played quite well with McCallman on the pitch. And mm-hmm. when he came off, maybe not quite as... Well, it's, it's funny you say that because as someone who was there, you're right, actually, when he came off, we struggled a bit. But actually, when he was on the pitch, he did, probably had one of his poorer games since mm. he's come in. He gave the ball away quite a bit, actually. His passing was a little bit off. But you're right, once he went off, actually, we, we did struggle a bit in that game. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, so, you wouldn't change it up at all? You, you, would you no, bring, no, I'd probably keep it the same. Would you be, not be tempted to bring Gibson in against his former club and see how he does? I, I kind of feel like this one's going to be a midfield battle, and I think I agree with you. I think I'd stick with McCallman in there, possibly, Yeah. for this one. I suppose it depends what happens Saturday first as well, doesn't it? I'd keep yeah. it the same for Saturday and see what happens Saturday for Tuesday. Yeah, I think part of me would be tempted to bring Gibson in for the Bradford game. These are you both may, his former see, clubs. You maybe see a little change in the uh, in the the forward line, possibly. Yeah, I, I kind of feel yeah. like Gibson will. I think he, if his two former clubs were playing, he's going to be more up for the Bradford one, isn't he? He'd be wanting to prove yeah. a point. I'd start. I'd hundred percent start Patrick against Bradford. Absolutely. Whether you'd maybe. I'm rest... going to have to stop here. Go is, on. This, is this my parcel? Yeah, one second, I'll okay. just get this. Well, as you just heard, I have just had a delivery and <laughs> live update. It is something for the Warwick Road end. Ooh. And it's quite a big box. Interesting. That's all I'm going to say. So is that going to be in for Saturday or are we wait until the tram game? No, it week? won't be in for Saturday, it'll That's be tram Oh, well, there you go. Interesting to see what that'll be. That's a nice little... Uh, Look ahead for everyone there. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I think Omari Patrick. I'd start in both games. I, I, I think that that kind of makes sense. It, it's Garner. I'd maybe look and think, okay, if we can get the, the Stevenage game is going to be a real battle. I'm quite comfortable with the idea of him playing that, and maybe for the midweek one, that's when we bring in Christian Dennis, maybe or even Edmondson, and just say to them like, you just wait for your chance and you take that chance, basically, when it comes to you in those games, and let Patrick do the running, basically, for that one. So that it'll be interesting to see what he does in terms of that. Um, w- one point I want to make here before we go into the match predictions is something we didn't mention in the in the review section. We really are sharing the goals around now, aren't we? This is a really mm. impressive start, this. So in our last 12 goals, we've had 11 different goal scorers. 
And the only player to score two goals in that time, Dan? Alfie McCallman. Which is a surprise, isn't it? Because you'd think, oh, Mario Patrick or, you know, someone like that, a striker. But nope, it's Alfie McCallman. He's the only one who's managed to score twice in that time. And both full-backs have scored. A couple of the centre-backs have scored. You know, you've had a midfield goal in there. You know, I think this that takes you all the way back to Dennis's goal, penalty goal against uh, Barrow, basically. So... Seriously impressive stats. Which, you know. again, is a sign of a team that's doing things. Exactly, you know, a team that, that, that's, that's working well and knows what it's doing, so fantastic to see. Um, right, prediction time then, Dan. In terms of the prediction league, you've gained a point back, so we're level at the top, aren't you? Because you got the score line right this yeah. weekend. Didn't get the goal scorers, because I don't think anyone anticipated Jack Armour smashing one into the top corner from... 20 yards. I think we've picked Armour a couple of times recently, haven't we? And it's never come off yeah, in typical yeah. when we finally don't. He goes and scores. Um, yeah, so points-wise, both me and you in 21, Mike's on 14. And I'm not having Mike trying to include Greg Bullman in this. Greg just an occasional guess. He's only been involved <laughs> twice. You're not getting away with the bottom of this league, Mike. Not a chance. So there you go. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, first up, Dan, let's have your prediction for the Stevenage game. I'm going to go for a 3-1 win. Jordan is going to score. Callum Guy is going to celebrate his new deal and score. And then I think if he comes off the bench, Christian Dennis is going to get a goal. He's, he got one in that reserve friendly to keep him ticking over. Yeah, so. yeah okay. Um, uh, I'm going to go for... I think when I spoke to the Stevenage pod, I said 2-1 and I'm going to go 2-1 and it's going to be a very tight game, I think. And I think... The goals will be Paul Huntington header from a corner and Joe Garner to get the other year. The two old stages, they're going to get the goals in this one. So there you go, 2-1 win. Uh, here's Mike's prediction for the game. I'm going for a 1-0 win with Joe Garner getting a goal. Oh, he thinks it's been a very tight game indeed. Only one goal in it. Um, right, Bradford game, Dan, what are you going for? I'm going to go for a one-all draw here. Hmm. Uh, don't get us wrong I want us to win but a draw certainly wouldn't be the worst result in the world no because it stops them gaining as well uh, I'm going to go for one old draw and I'm going to go for a Marty Patrick against his old team that's really annoying because that's what I was thinking of going for um, <laughs> I'm going to go 1-1 draw then I reckon uh, Jordan Gibson is going to get a goal and he's going to absolutely love it. He's going to milk it for all he can. Right, here's my prediction for the Bradford game. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win with goals from Huntington and Patrick. Well, there you go. So he's, he's going for a double header of wins. He thinks we're going to get to six six wins in a row. I mean, we did that the season we went up last time, didn't we? We had that run where we think we won six or seven in a row. So mm. sometimes you need that. But there you go. And then that would take us nicely into the next game. I mean, it's weird that that game against Gillingham. If you'd look back at that back in like October, November, you'd think, well, there's a gimme three points come next March. Now you look and think, I'd probably take a point at Gillingham because they're a very tough side to face. But then again, a team that's going up really should be going for a win there, shouldn't they? Win at home, draw away, and you'll never be far away. Exactly, exactly that. Right, let's wrap things up, Dan. Uh, a fairly short X-Files section this week. A couple of interesting names in there, though, isn't there? Yeah, quite quite short. Uh, early hours Saturday morning, Zach Clough scored for Adelaide in their 4-2 win at Newcastle Jets. Adelaide mm. doing quite well in the A-League this year. Mm. 
Jack Marriott, there's a name we haven't heard for a while. Scored for Fleetwood in their one-all draw with Port Vale. Is that his first goal for Fleetwood? I reckon he is, isn't it? I don't think I've ever seen him. I can't recall him scoring recently. Uh, And as we've already mentioned, his name, Andy Cook, scored again. His 20th league goal of the season for Bradford in that one-all draw at Newport. Just a note on that that draw at Newport, because we didn't talk about their last game, Bradford, in the previous section. I've got to give a mention to the Bradford goalkeeper, Harry Lewis. And his uh, cock-up that he got away with in this game, didn't he? Um, so, as anyone who, who doesn't already know, Newport share their pitch with uh, two rugby teams, don't they? Rugby union sides. So, when the football games are on, they have to black out or basically paint orange, sorry, orange, paint uh, green over the white, uh, you know, the the yard markings, so like the you know the, the ten yard point and the, the twenty yard point and stuff like that. Um, problem is. Harry Lewis went a bit walkabout, walked up to the edge of his box and forgot he was at the edge of his box, saw the line in front of him from the rugby and promptly caught the ball about 25 yards out from goal, didn't he? Yeah. And like, he's very lucky in the sense that there was a covering defender. So I think the referee was like, it's not a goal scoring opportunity. So it's just a handball basically. And I think he gave him just a booking. Because if a striker had been through on goal, he would have been off there, wouldn't he? So to be fair, when you look at it, it's not... If you're up close, that line probably is quite clear, isn't it? You, you don't realise that it isn't the line that is, you know, the rugby lines rather than the pitch lines. So I can kind of get why he's done it. From a distance, it's a bit more obvious, but close up, it probably... Yeah, I, I, I think it's ridiculous sometimes with club sharing with rugby teams, but that's another discussion altogether, isn't it? But there you go. Right, midweek, Dan? Uh, midweek, uh, just a couple of incidents. Jenny Yates mm. got a penalty. Blackpool had a massive six-one thumping of QPR. Yeah, uh, real result that they haven't uh, they haven't been doing well. Blackpool, so that was a massive yeah. boost for them. And it, you see, all the there was a lot of um, flares let off. I was wondering as well because they were celebrating the life of that Blackpool fan who sadly died at the recent mm. game against Burnley. It was a real sort of celebration of his life. So that was nice to see yeah. as well. And uh, Lucas Jensen red card. We missed this last week, didn't we? Picked up his second red card in the space of a week in Accrington Stanley's 3-1 home defeat to Portsmouth. You'd forgotten about him so much that you missed his red card last week. Yeah, I was trying to be raising for my life. Exactly. I like, you know, Lucas Jensen, where are they? He, he, got, he got sent off at Ipswich. Yeah. Straight red in injury time. Missed the trip to Charlton. Came in for the Portsmouth home game and then got sent off. So... <laughs> Is and it I, not four games for two red cards now? No, because it's not. If it's not violent conduct, it's only a yeah, one game yeah. ban. So it's basically a, a professional foul, isn't it? I think so. It's yeah. it's only you'll get a two game ban for this one, basically, because he's yeah. already had a red card. But but identical red cards by all accounts. He basically just came out of his box and took a player out. So yeah, sods off for him. Yeah, mm. and uh, just a little bit of other news. Uh, James Brown called up to the Malta squad for the Euro 2024 qualifiers against mm. North Macedonia and Italy. And uh, I think we touched on this. Magnus Norman made the final 16 for the England C squad. Yeah. And we were looking at it, it seems to me you can only have one player from each team. Yeah, it looks it, like they've changed it, doesn't it? Yeah. Gone are the days of Barnett providing 18 players and all that, you know. Yeah. And uh, former left back Joe Dudgeon, ex Man United loanee. He's uh, going to be a scout at Celtic Ooh. High up in their scouting department. Interesting. He's, uh, he's, he's been scouting a lot since he retired early and uh, he's worked his way up the ladder. 
Mm, there you go. Right, that's it for this week's episode. Then done uh, a bumper episode. It's fair to say. I think we've got, got good eighty-five minutes in or so now. I think, and we obviously, well, that's in terms of our recording. Once you add in the uh, behind enemy lines, it, it, it's pushed to you know well over a hundred minutes. So, thank you to anyone who's got this far. <laughs> really, really do appreciate it because it'll be a bit of a slog. But I hope we, you enjoy it on your way up to the game this weekend. We're, we're so excited for this game, aren't we? I mean, I, I can't. I feel like I'm a little bit nervous ahead of it, but not like. Uh, Nervous, worry we're going to lose. It's just, a, I think it's a nervous excitement, isn't it, for this match? Yeah. It's one of those I'll games. Because we've got to win. You, you, you're always positive, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It's one of those games, isn't it, though? You, you've got to enjoy, you've got to look forward to, because when you look at some of the miserable seasons we've had in, in recent years, and, you know, 17 years since our last promotion, these are the games you've got to thrive off, aren't they? And hopefully with a bumper crowd in as well, that's the big thing as well. If we can get a nice big crowd, it'd be fantastic. So there you go. Dan, uh, we're going to be back next week, aren't we, with a, um, a preview for the Gilliam game. Um, but beyond that, thanks very much for joining me, Dan. No bother. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And most importantly of all, up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.